0: Welcome to the GNT show.
1: All right, welcome everyone to week 3 of the NRL and the GNT show. Once again, I'm joined by my host with the most, a man who puts the dog in bulldogs, G. How are you this week? Not bad.
0: You know, the weather's been horrendous and few people around the state suffering through the floods, which is always sad to see. So, um, you know, maybe climate change might be real. You never know.
1: This is not a political podcast, G. Despite that, our thoughts and prayers <laughs> to anyone affected by the floods. It's been incredibly rainy in Sydney. Um, the games were absolutely drenched on the weekend as well. And so our thoughts and prayers with all the fans and all the players and anyone actually at all who was affected by the rains and the floods and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully the NRL was a good distraction on the weekend. We, we actually had a round that would that had less, re, less set restarts. So the footy actually looked a lot more like 2019. And as a result, we had a few more close games. So we've got to decide, you know, as I said in previous weeks, we've got to decide what type of footy we want. But despite the conditions, I thought, the footy was excellent. In particular, the Tigers really showed up for that game against the Roosters. They were they were excellent. They they, they 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 may as well have been playing a preseason game. Like they were absolutely nowhere. What else caught your eye from from the torrential round two?
0: Like you say, the handling I thought is pretty sensational. Um, just in general, like it, it's so wet, it's raining, it's slippery, and somehow you know you don't really see that many errors. I think. The bad thing is the improved drainage in the grounds. Might be good for the spectacle, but we're not getting people sliding through puddles. I miss the mud. The mud, people flying all over the place. So I kind of miss a little bit of that, which is disappointing. But on the whole, you know, tough conditions on the weekend. But I mean, what else is there to talk about? There was a power outage at um, Belmore just recently.
1: That's okay, brother. You don't. You guys don't play there anymore. You guys play at Bankwest, Penrith Stadium, Perth, Adelaide. Yeah. China and Japan. That's your new home grounds. Because the stadiums are nice.
0: It might have for the preparations for the Broncos, but to be honest, it doesn't look like they've prepared anything in the last two weeks anyway.
1: I found that game so hard to tip. And nor is it a game I particularly want to watch, I've got to be honest with you, but we'll get to that game later. What did you think of the concussion? We spoke about it last week. Adam Reynolds and Nathan Cleary both affected. We'll talk about the Felice Cafusi incident as well, which yeah, I'm I have, sure you'd love to. I have very strong views on that as you could imagine, as an Eels supporter. It seems that actually Melbourne saved their dirtiest tactics for the Parramatta Eels, even going back to Billy Slater and Jared Hayne. Jared Hayne was in the press, obviously found guilty as well. So what are your thoughts on the happenings on those fronts?
0: I mean, look, how can you not talk about Jared Hayne? He's probably one of the most talented players we've seen in the NRL in the last you know, 20, 25 years. I mean, I'm not going to go into the detail of the case, but one thing I will talk about is just, can we just have some respect for fellow humans? I mean...
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, we, you know what? And then they blame the sport. Then they blame the sport going, oh, they need to do more to educate them. Guys, you don't need education on this stuff. This is, like, treat people with respect. I mean, there's no... What do you you need a classroom lesson on this for?
0: There's a basic humanity to things, right? And it's just this sense of entitlement. I mean, and like I said, I'm not going to go into the details, but the one thing that stood out for me is before you even go into what happened, you know, if two people want to meet up and, you know, do their thing, that's, you know... I don't know what you're
1: talking about. Can you just... What are you talking about? I need to educate you, do I? um, No, I'd I'd like you to be more descriptive for our listeners.
0: You know, the fact that he thought you could turn up to somebody's house, okay, they'd prearrange me and then leave a cab running outside while you just run in and then run out and thinks that that's something that's okay. I can't fathom that thinking. You know, treat people like humans. Have respect for people and, you know, maybe you wouldn't get his sense of entitlement wouldn't allow people to do the wrong thing, you know, like, and, um, you know, it's sad to see his fall. He's brought, brought it upon himself. Obviously he had a similar issue when he was playing for the
1: 49ers. Settled, settled without an admission of guilt. You see a lot of people in social media that will defend Jared Hain or defend the accused of the crime and things like this, whether people are guilty or not. Um, our thoughts and prayers should always be with the victim yep absolutely yeah so we shouldn't we shouldn't have we shouldn't assess these situations through the lens of the guilty party football or or, or the football it's not about the football it's about you know things that are around it and the right and wrong behaviors The, the consent issue all this sort of stuff is just you know basic humanity as you said i don't think i don't and it doesn't make it right if they're a footy player, and it doesn't make it wrong just because they're a footy player. And I don't—I actually don't think it's on the sport or the clubs to have to teach them this stuff. This starts at home. This starts with mum and dad. This starts with those types of things. It's—it's it's not. It's not the football yeah. club's responsibility to bring kids up, it's the parents' responsibility.
0: You know, you hope that when they go to a, a footy club they sort of can mold them into better people, but you know, sometimes
1: Well, I mean that's what we try to do with you in this podcast, but it hasn't worked. So
0: No, I need I need greater intervention.
1: Well, I I don't know what more we can do. I mean I mean since this podcast has started, you've been alleged to have stalked several football players and now have several ABOs out on you and several court cases. What about the concussion uh-huh. issues? It's a hard
0: game, it's a tough game. People are going to get hit and they are going to get concussed. I mean, people bang into each other, so naturally, you know, occasionally people's heads are going to get hit. I, I think the concern for me is is it seems to be, oh, don't worry, they'll shake it off in a couple of days and then they're back the next week. I think that's the one concern I have about the concussion issue. It's
1: hundred percent I agree. We need we need tougher protocols on this stuff. This is this is a serious issue for the game. And we need to be on the right side of history with this as well. Adam Reynolds got knocked out. Ryan Madison got knocked out. Nathan Cleary got knocked out on the weekend.
0: And it looks like they're back again this week, except for Madison, obviously, and Cleary.
1: There were no announcements from Emperor Volandis this week. Strangely, no. He must be doing his day job with the AJC,
0: (laughs) with Racing New South Wales. Despite all the COVID stuff that's happened around the world, the COVID pandemic, And not having fans in stadiums and all this other kind of stuff was that the NFL actually signed a record deal in the US from the major broadcasters, which if you read all the stuff about sports rights and the COVID pandemic, that was not expected. So it's an interesting turn of events, to be honest, in regards to sport and the amount of money that they can actually get out of broadcasters. So,
1: well, it's a non-issue for the rugby league at the moment. The only rights they've got coming up are the Channel Nine rights. Foxtel's renewed the contract till twenty twenty-seven. That's what they did as part of the COVID deal. So, you know, I suspect we'll know in a couple of years whether that was a good deal or a bad deal. But the the ratings in the first round, first couple of rounds of football for both Foxtel and Channel Nine have been strong after a poor year last year. So. You know, let's see. Let's see what happens. But the rugby league has traded away maximum dollar for certainty in terms of its revenue. Yeah, yeah. and I think the sports landscape—it's just more competitive in the US. If Foxtel don't bid for the pay TV rights, who who is Stan, Amazon,
0: <laughs> Stan Sport? That'll be a Channel Nine player, and then relegate either rugby or rugby league to the to one AM's kickoffs on TV. So.
1: I mean, I'm not sure Channel Nine's doing a great job with the game at the moment. Anyway, to be honest, I, I'm not sure they've got great callers other than Rabs, and and Rabs is getting long in the tooth. I think the whole Rabs feel good things a little bit probably seen its best days. In, but I, I do like Joey and Brad Fitler. I think they're they're excellent.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, they've tried to refresh it, but to be honest, I think they've neglected the game for many years and they pump up origin so much at the expense of the game purely for dollars. Well,
1: there's talk of them splitting the splitting the rights, right? So having State of Origin as a separate asset, Grand Final and Finals as a separate asset and home and away as a separate asset. So, and that's that's a little bit what like what the NFL did, but the NFL's got more content. If rugby league wants more money, it needs to get two more teams in the comp because let me tell you the other thing. Having an extra Brisbane team might help the interest in Brisbane, but it doesn't give you an extra game to sell to the broadcasters. Yep. So you go to an odd number of teams. So you actually need... the. It's a little bit of a furphy. You actually, if you want to increase the TV rights and increase the revenues, you, need, you actually need to get two teams into the comp, and one of them will be in Brisbane, and that's a squad of 60 players, not including New South Wales Cup and the rest. Do those 60 players exist that are not in the system at the moment?
0: I think they do. Because I think there's a lot of players that don't get a proper chance and really get a, a proper go at finding their feet in first grade. However, I think if you drag up those 60 players, I think then you're going to start to struggle beyond that.
1: Okay, well, I'm not sure. I'm not, I am not. I don't know the answer to the question, I suppose. I I mean, part of me says yes because Melbourne's able to recruit from Queensland Cup and some of these players that... <laughs>
0: the, the random giants walking down the street.
1: Yeah, correct, at High Point Food Court <laughs> yeah. and then... And then... But then there's the the, the Aussies that go to, like Jackson Hastings that go to the UK and make a good fist of it, and then there's the UK players that come here and play well. So so maybe there is enough for sixty. But then I think last time we tried expansion, uh, admittedly was a little while ago. Now it's been twenty five years since the, the 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 competition looked at expansion, and and they went from sixteen to twenty teams in that in just the year before Super League. Clearly drained the talent from the comp.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. That'll happen. I think if you drag out those 40, 50 players, I think then you're starting to hopefully, you hope that players develop or can come through because then you're starting to sort of reach the the limit, I think, for sure. So
1: is there anything else that caught your eye this week or not really? Well, I just, I, I actually really enjoyed the footy this week and, and I, how many of the games did you end up watching? You texted me during the weekend, you said you'd watched None of the games, so... I've watched all of them. I look forward to your deep analysis of some of these games. Watched uh, watched all the games, and... How many games did you watch live?
0: Oh, I watch them in demand. I can't watch all of them live. I do... Well, then again, it was raining all weekend, so if I was ever going to pick a good weekend... What did you do?
1: What did you do? You were so I busy. Had to, I had to feed the cat. Did you? And that took eight games times two hours 16 hours of eating for the cat over the weekend it
0: did yeah no i went i went and helped a friend out with something that they needed to do so
1: let's get into round two. With, oh, um,
0: i got one thing oh yeah for, for two people who apparently watch the nrl all the time
1: i can't believe we haven't talked about cameron smith retiring <laughs> oh we haven't talked about cameron smith great career future immortal thanks cameron we covered him in the preview. I, don't, I think he's going to come back.
0: Okay, I don't. I think this is the what he wanted. I think he wanted to go out this way, because what he wanted is a is a slow exit and um, not no, no sort of fanfare and a big celebration. Which I think he's got what he's wanted and he's out.
1: Well, I mean, I can, I can, I'm that way inclined as well. So I can see the attraction of that, but I just think it'll be too tempting. One last hurrah in Queensland. They really need him. With the with the new rule that they can sign him from first of August, it won't cost the clubs as much. I just think there's a small glimmer of hope that he comes back. I mean, I'll, I mean, he could even be in Origin. Heard it here first.
0: Okay, well let's wait and see. They've done it before.
1: Let's cover round two and the games. Uh, c- great career, Cam Smith. Um, they do apparently at Melbourne Storm. He was known as the G of football.
0: Why is that?
1: Well, because you're the goat when it comes to podcasts, and he of was course, the goat yes. at Rugby yes. League. He he has less of a criminal record though. So round one, which was played in torrential torrential rain at the home of the Bulldogs, Bank West. Um, it was Parramatta versus Melbourne. Para got up 16-12. This was a great game of football. It was in terrible conditions, but it was a high quality game. And we've we've got these six teams, I think, that are just cut and cut and thrust above everyone else. And Canberra and Newcastle's kinda on their own. Yeah, and I almost feel after round eight, I already know what the eight's going to... Uh, round two, I already know what the eight's going to look like at the end of the year. Par- now, Wonga Blake was ruled out just before kickoff, and, I, and and for the long-time listeners of the pod, you'll know what that means. That means Parramatta's right edge was much improved during the game because Nia Kore was named as a replacement and he played an absolute bloody blinder. King Gutho's defensive effort as fullback was the best since Billy Slater. Now... Why am I saying that? Because there are, we have a lot of players, fullbacks in the comp that can affect the game with attack. Think Ponga, think Pappenhuizen, think even Teddy to some extent. We've, we've got fullbacks that can, oh, Tommy Turbo, we've got, we've got fullbacks like that in the game. Very few can affect the game consistently in defense and Gutho is one of them. And the best that I ever saw at it was Billy Slater. And I think... If you look back at his defensive effort and the energy he brought to the defensive line and the fact that he organized the defensive line, it was fantastic. We completed 37 of 42 sets. And even the players afterwards, the Melbourne players, when they got interviewed after the game, they said, Parramatta out Melbourne, the Storm. Despite this though, the Storm had 55% possession and Justin Olam was fantastic for the Storm. He was an angry man. He took angry pills for that game. I am getting to the controversial incident. For Parramatta, Reid Marnie might be one of the form players in the comp. If you're picking Origin after round two, he's going to be the Queensland hooker. That's how good he's been for us after two rounds. Mitch Moses, RCG, and Junior Paulo were great. Our forwards really got on top of Melbourne. The best bit for me, though, from a Parramatta perspective, and it's not technical. It wasn't our right edge or our left edge or or our forward through the middle. All that was great. Now, game management through Mitchell Moses was great, but it was the composure when the Storm got it back to 12-10, 12-all the composure we showed to get back in the game. Now, that's not a result we would have gotten in the past, particularly against another top six team and particularly against a team like the Storm where we have lost five out of six times too. So I thought it was a fantastic game. I thought these two teams will be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. I think Parramatta as a fan, it was just fantastic. I loved, loved the game, loved watching us do it. Polisi Kafusi, can I just say something on that before I throw over to you, G? That's his <laughs> third elbow to the head in, in a tackle in the past 12 months. He's actually got a problem with his tackling technique. He should have been sent from the field. The referee, I cannot remember the last time someone was sent from the field and none of these crappy 10 minutes in the bin. That deserved a send-off, in my opinion. If you're serious about concussion, these are the types of things you've got to start stamping out of the game. And, 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 if, and you can clean the game up. Because if you give a hefty suspension for that rather than two or three weeks, then what it does is it forces people to, to rethink what they're doing. Now, Craig Bellamy came out after the game and he didn't see what the fuss is about. Craig Bellamy's in danger of becoming a dinosaur and out of touch with community <laughs> community standards. Community standards, right? That It's not okay to elbow someone in the head with force on the way to the ground anymore. The game has moved on a lot in the last 40 years since the 70s and 80s. The other thing I will say is it's not a coincidence that it's always Melbourne. Now, my understanding is they have three wrestling sessions a week in training more than any other club in the comp. And they've been doing that throughout Craig Bellamy's time. So it's not, a, it's not a coincidence that this is the stuff that is coming out of Melbourne. So that's my rant on Melbourne. I love watching them play. They're really good. They got the Panthers this week, which is gonna be a sensational game. But I'm glad Parramatta got up and I thought we deserved it. And there was a lot of really, really good signs. And we got Cronulla up this week, which the West Sharks have been playing. That's going to be another tough game. What did you think of this game?
0: Well, I mean, I was going to ask you about the elbow. I was going to say, do you think that was a deliberate cheap shot? Or do you think yes. he was trying to hit him hard with the elbow?
1: No, I think it's a deliberate yeah. cheap shot. And I'll tell you why I think it's a deliberate cheap shot. It's not his first one. He got Boyd Cordner last year. He, it's, it's his third one in 12 months.
0: I mean, fair enough. And that's what I wanted to ask. And really, I was going to get your thoughts on that. For me, I thought the game was a really, really good game. It was incredibly tight. the The weather really, really narrowed Melbourne's advantage. That sort of really explosive speed it kind of just brought them back that touch, and even the game out tremendously, and really gave an advantage to Parramatta. But what it also showed me is Parramatta's not that far away.
1: No, we're not. That's what it showed me as well. I was a bit too pessimistic on them. And Sivo was great. Sivo was great.
0: Seabo was fantastic, but you can see that the speed that Melbourne has when it's dry and they get their guys in space at full flight, that makes the biggest difference for them.
1: Can I respectfully say, I don't? I thought before the, before the game it would be the weather, but Parramatta completed 37 of 42 sets. I actually think it was the way the game was refereed. The game was refereed much, the whole round had let, less set restarts. It got refereed much more like 2019 than 2020. And I think, okay. and I think that's what brought the teams closer together. Because the handle, the handling from both teams was great in the conditions. I mean, the football was very high quality.
0: It was, I think, and the, you know there were inches. So for me, that that really, that's what really showed for me is that Nia Kore short up that sort of right-hand side defence. How much better do
1: we look? And Nia Kore is not a ball player, right? He's a, this. Is what I said to you, Senna is technically a modern centres are the most technical roles in the defensive line. And they, they, they play like edge back rowers. So you just need them to hit the hole hard and make good reads and be able to make their tackles. And that's what he did. He didn't have these dizzying highs and earth-shattering lows of Wonga Blake.
0: Blake is great in attack or can be, but he rarely shows that. So in, in reality, you're probably better off having someone like Nia Kauré there shoring up the defense. So that's what I, I picked up.
1: Opecic was good on the other side, so, other edge too.
0: Yeah, and they solidified the defense, right? So I think that helped, but I do think Melbourne was hampered a little bit by the conditions. And I think Gutherson, and there was a couple of desperate plays by Para to sort of hang on. You know, it could have gone the other way, but Para hung in and then pulled off. Uh, I mean, Sivo's try at the end was fantastic. Perfect bomb. He hit it. At top speed, running, jumping, I mean...
1: It was a great take, but Jennings's feet were glued to the ground.
0: They were, but that's the whole the placement of the bomb, and Sevo just timed it perfectly.
1: And and Craig Bellamy, you got to give him credit as a coach. He'll coach them out of it. Now, I'll tell you why George Jennings' be- feet being planted on the ground is a problem, and this is why, even when they're not contested, the fullbacks now jump for the bombs, because often when you touch the fullback or you touch the player in the air going to catch the ball it's a penalty. So that's why they get into the air to try and catch it. Now, George Jennings didn't do that. He was actually technically that he did the wrong thing. He should have contested that in the air. The other thing is you can get a knock on or, or, or things like that. Whereas you take some of that out if you're not jumping for the ball.
0: To be honest, the other thing I picked up was uh, Marnie, again, was, was fantastic, I think, for Parramatta. And It was just such a tight game. It was actually a really high-quality game, considering the conditions.
1: Great game. I really, really enjoyed this game.
0: I think Gutherson's sort of block on Atto Carr at the start when he made the break half down the sideline, and Gutherson sort of snuffed it out and put his body on the kick. I think if Melbourne scored early... That it could have been a little bit different, but I think Parra just came up with desperate plays and it just, to me, it yeah, shows they're not too far away from Melbourne.
1: Well, we've only got 24 rounds to go, but do you agree with me that the eight's basically set now?
0: Oh, uh, it started to get quite, I think, predictable. Like,
1: Well, I, th- I think there's only nine teams that can make the eight.
0: It's looking that way.
1: And the last three spots are uh, Newcastle.
0: Yes, without a doubt. Cronulla. I would say so. They're on the fringe
1: or there. The, or, or the Titans. That's it. And that's the nine. That can make the eight. I mean, there's no. It's not like the West Tigers are going to make the eight, or the Dogs, or the Dragons, or North Queensland's look terrible. And we'll talk a little bit about that. Brisbane. I mean, I think I, you're we're being
0: harsh. We might make the eight in 2024, but not this year.
1: 2024. That's only. That's only. That's only three years away.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Not only.
0: <laughs> okay. Get out of here. I'm being optimistic, am I? Okay.
1: Mate, who are you going to recruit in the next three years that you're going to be in the eight? Oh, I'm not really sure. I mean, do you really want to? I mean, do, we can do the we can do the Bulldogs game now. you no, guys were disgraceful. Okay. I mean, okay, yeah, all right. Let's let's.
0: We'll go through in order, just so as not to confuse ourselves more than our listeners.
1: Okay, so we'll <laughs> we'll, we'll move we'll move on to the to the games on Friday. The first first up at six pm at Central Coast was the Warriors versus the Knights. The Knights got up sixteen twenty or twenty sixteen. They won the game. It was a close game, but I wouldn't describe it as high quality. I mean, it wasn't. It's a, it's a, exactly the same margin as the Parramatta Melbourne game. Different standard, completely different standard. So I didn't think it was as high quality a game. Now, one thing that I do find interesting, and you know, I like the tactics and the coaching a lot in footy. In most sports, I like it. So now, Nathan Brown is clearly has the Warriors playing risk free football.
0: You've stolen some of my notes. Are you sure you're not? checking my notes before this podcast
1: no i don't do stalking okay yeah but that th- it's the second week in a row and he's really got them playing risk-free football now Sh- chanel harris david is out for 12 weeks you know that'll be interesting to see how they go there because that's some of their spark gone it was terrible weather the knights completed 41 out of 47 and the warriors completed 35 out of 38 sets 41 out of 47 and 35 out of 38
0: incredible if you look at the conditions yeah
1: it wasn't like the Parramatta Melbourne game where there were line breaks and things like that there was actually football being played in the Parramatta Melbourne game this game was just hit up hit up hit up kick to the corners right get to your kick that type of thing in the end in the end the game hinged on two breaks by Bradman Best down the left edge
0: pretty much yeah
1: now he was good I feel like he's about 10 kilos overweight you know how, how good will Bradman Best be when he's below 135 kilos
0: I think you're probably looking at dropping five or six kgs, but he was out for most of last year. So he's still young.
1: The game's getting quicker and he's carrying Pud, right? He's young, so he can get, get away with that for a season he, or two.
0: He can get away with it when you're young. You can carry your weight around. And as soon as you start to get a little bit older, you know, it, it becomes harder. You need to be in better condition. So, And,
1: and I think that combination with Heimel Hunt on the left edge is looking really, really good for them. So there's something to build from there. The Knights' first half defence was superb. At one point... Um, they repelled three or four sets on their line from the Auckland Warriors. Now, one thing I'll say, though, the Auckland Warriors' fifth tackle options, the last tackle options, are predictable and weak, is what I'd say. They haven't started the year off great with a great kicking game. or, or They're not really throwing much. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about the next game as well. I, I actually think the Titans are suffering a little bit from this as well.
0: Well, we've sort of picked up some of the similar similar things. The game was wasn't bad, but it was just average, and both teams went through their plays, you know, setting up the next set play. It's kind of like they just went through the, the motions. Conservatively, nothing out of the ordinary. Just kind of like you say, that get to your set, kick, set up the, the set play where you go out the back, and bar the Bradman best brilliance, there was nothing really happening in the game other than just conservatively building pressure and then eventually getting a forward to, to steamroll through the line and score a try.
1: I agree but I'll tell you a couple of things for the Knights that I was impressed with I think Mitch Barnett has started the season on fire
0: Oh you love Mitch Barnett
1: He was their best forward last year He's your guilty pleasure You know, you know I, you're, you're, you've been my mate for a long time you, you are a weirdo though Of course Yeah
0: I'll bring the outlandish brilliance to the podcast You going through the, you go through the motions You're the Newcastle Knights
1: We're going to talk about it a little bit later You're Joey yeah. Leilua. So what I mean by that? No, I'm not. Well, yes, you are. If we do, if we do 26 pods a year, there's three where you're brilliant, and there's 10 where you're missing, and then there's 13 where you miss 47 tackles. So
0: are you are you telling me that I'm going to be dropped for my cat?
1: Uh, if the cat could talk, you'd already be out.
0: <laughs> oh, quite fantastic. That's great. <laughs> so
1: Jaden Brayley and Mitch Barnett were great. They were they were best, and Tohu Harris just got through a mountain of work for the Warriors it was 8-6 at half time they were down 16-14 in the 67th minute so and then they scored a try at the end there was great composure from the knights even after the warriors got their try right at right at the end or, or the try in the 67th minute they still looked like they were going to win the game so that's that that you know that so that's a great start for the knights and and adam o'brien in particular because that Trying to find consistency for them last year was a problem Although having said that They haven't had the toughest start to the season With the Warriors and the Bulldogs
0: It hasn't But they're missing Ponga You know, their best player And they've won both games So I think that's a really good sign They've they've won the games they have to win To build up their points And I think they've done a professional job In both both games Without necessarily looking that great
1: Well, and it gets harder for them With the Tigers this week, right?
0: Of course Yeah, definitely (laughs) more like the pussycats the tigers
1: tigers are mate they're they're this year's st george remember what we used to say about saints last year we don't know what they're doing there that's this year the tigers. yep so so we'll move on before we get there we got the titans broncos uh this again the broncos really regressed this week they weren't fit enough the same problem as last year they hung in there for 30 minutes. How many times did we say last year they hung in there for 20 or 30 minutes? And Because they were only down 6-4 after a Tessie new try, but then conceded three tries before halftime. And worryingly, they conceded through the middle. You know, They just they were down 22-4 at halftime and the game was gone. The, 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 you know, this continues. This is a real problem for Kevi. The Broncos have lost 13 games in a row. The Brisbane Broncos have lost 13 games in a row. And it's been 250 days since their last win. So the Broncos, the Broncos ended up winning the second half, twelve six, but it's scant consolation. They got two tries at the end to make it respectable. I, I actually didn't think the Titans were brilliant either, but I, it wasn't a case of the Titans being excellent. I thought the Broncos were just really, really poor. the The Broncos' right edge was so poor that Kevy swapped Milford out for Croft during the game. During the game. <laughs> look that's how that's how bad their right edge was because they were targeting milford and he and he couldn't he couldn't hit the side of a side a barn door he just couldn't tackle anything it was Dave for best game for the titans despite that he still missed four tackles so that contact issue that defensive issue is still there and tavita pangai jr has been since actually in know in a team that's struggling fantastic so far this season One other thing on that right edge, Anthony Milford and Tessie New missed five tackles each. That right edge is just, and that's the edge that Katoni Staggs is normally on. It's a problem. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, well, there's only one side worse than that, and that's the Tigers' left edge, which we're going to talk about. Can I also say that Ash Taylor had a quiet game, and he missed seven tackles. Ash Taylor's secret, he hasn't been involved in the first two games. Jamal Fogarty's been the leader of that team and getting them around the park. Watch this space. You've heard it here first. I'm not sure Ash Taylor's in that greater form either. What did you think of this game?
0: I think you're being a bit harsh on Brisbane. I thought the effort was there. But what I'm finding this year as opposed to last year is that I think last year I was trying to find the positives. But you ended up being correct in that you they just don't sort of care, right? And then all that stuff came out with Anthony Siebold and So you're seeing a different attitude. I don't know if fitness is the issue. I think their confidence drops at times. So they hung in. And once a couple of things went against them with the Titans, they just fell away. And in the second half towards out, I think they kept on fighting, but they're just not quite good enough.
1: Gee, Sam Allardyce, who you know in the in, EPL, yeah, in yes. he, gave, he gave an interview years and years ago that I read. He, I would describe him as a functioning coach in England, right? He usually...
0: A functioning coach.
1: Kept teams up. He was the relegation specialist, right? You'd come in, your team's in third last place. He'd make sure they didn't get relegated. Now, he used to say... If teams are consistently conceding goals at the back end of halves, nine times out of 10, it's a fitness issue, not a concentration issue. The other teams are just fitter than they are. And this has been going for 250 days, and they've lost 13 in a row. This is not a – con, and they've tried different personnel, and they've tried a different coach, and they've tried – they've got two assistant coaches up there in Cartwright, and um, who's the other assistant coach up there – is it Matt Coyne? Mark, Mark Coyne? No, it's not Mark Coyne.
0: So. No, it doesn't really matter. Sam Allardyce, by the sounds of it.
1: Sam Allardyce, but it's the same issues. How many games did they hang in there for 20 or 30 minutes? They got run down by the Parramatta team. They should have won that game last week.
0: The attitude's there, whereas I don't think last year I was trying to find the positives in the attitude, but you were kind of like, they're not there. The attitude sucks, basically.
1: Their attitude's there because it's a new coach and early in the season. Yeah. Now, if they lose to the Bulldogs this week... Let me tell you something, mate. Their attitude, given past performance, is likely to drop. I think Kevvy has got to put some run in their legs. they just got to be leaner, tougher, and quicker.
0: I'm probably doing the same thing I did last year. I think they've improved significantly, and I think they'll beat the Bulldogs. But anyway...
1: Oh, well, I, t- I ended up tipping the Broncos as well.
0: Yeah, I think they hung, on, hung in there, even though they were blown away because, they were. look, they were getting tired, right? But I think at the moment it's a bit hard to tell because of the game.
1: Gee, last year they were averaging 30-odd points against them, yeah? This year it's down to 26.
0: Well, I did say they've improved. I didn't
1: talk about how much. That It's uh, it's only two games in, but they're only one try a game better in defence. And 20, 26 points, they're not going to win any games because they don't have enough points in them. They need to do what the Bulldogs did last year, right? They need to be gutting these games out 18-10. Not that we're going to let the opposition score 26 and we're going to back ourselves in to score 5-6 tries. Where are the 5-6 or six tries going to come from?
0: Um, Mel Meninga? Wally Lewis? I don't know. They
1: both might be a bit old. But and it, maybe I am being too harsh, maybe, but, but I, think, I, I think they're in a bit of trouble again. I think there's some really poor teams. I said that in the season preview.
0: Yeah, well, look, I didn't tip them to do well. I just expected them to improve, and I think they've improved a fair bit. So for me, I thought, like, you know, the fact they kept on going, the effort was still there in the last 20 minutes or so was a good sign. I do think that when Stags comes back with him and Tessie New on either side, that's a pretty dangerous centre pairing as well.
1: Yeah, except, that, except the only problem with that is they're both right centres.
0: Oh, well, you just have to move one of them to the left like Michael Jennings.
1: <laughs> so it'll be great when they're together playing the same position.
0: You know, it's all about innovation. How about playing both centres on the same side? So I think Coates is a real weapon in the air. Like the try set up for new, it's so easy for him to jump up and his hands are fantastic. Like it's, it's so natural.
1: It's like the Wallabies. Remember the Wallabies for years? All they had was it to Israel Folau. That was their entire entire attack. He's tall. He's brilliant in the air. So you, so hang on a second. Tessie New and um, Katoni Staggs. You wanted to play them together. What are you going to do with Lovebug?
0: Good question. Maybe we'll just put him on the wing.
1: And you just went on about Xavier Coat.
0: Five 5'8". Yeah, well, we'll have to put him somewhere. Don't worry. We'll find <laughs>
1: This is the hard-hitting analysis that you, you joined the GNT show for. The love can park his car anywhere. Oh, I just got a text from Herbie. Um, The innuendo in that is not called for, and he'd like you to back off.
0: That's that's okay, no problem. For me, the Titans as well, they won, which is good. There was improvement, but something's missing from them this year.
1: I don't think they look good. Your, your boy, Jimmy Dimmick, has got a lot of work to do with that attack.
0: If I take away Milford's defence, which was absolutely dreadful and responsible for three tries pretty much, I don't think they have anything. They seem to be, I find, trying to play a conservative brand of football and then going to their set play that they've organised to, like I say, use their weapon in Fafita, right? But the thing is, what made them so great and dangerous last year is the fact that they played... I hate that term, eyes up football. They basically had a look and saw where the numbers were and challenge the line through Adlib football, right? If the opportunity was there, they went for it.
1: I wonder if that was because they had nothing to lose, and this year there's higher expectation on them. I wonder if this isn't in their heads.
0: That is a distinct possibility, because if I looked at Dean Pay's coaching record, he was woeful, but at the end of the year, there was this false bounce about they had nothing to play for anymore, and they just started throwing the ball around, then they would win games, and people were oh, there was a massive improvement. Because, the, like you say, the pressure was gone. They didn't have to win, but they just seemed to be going through a formula of play rather than sort of attacking the defence like they did last year. And the one highlight from it, I do think when Peachy plays, they look a lot better because he straightens the attack and gives them that ball playing like we say on the fringe.
1: Three playmakers, right? So they're not as predictable.
0: Yeah, and then he's on the bench for most of the game. I don't agree with that. And again, because they're trying to play
1: their big signings. I think they've taken a strength from their team out and put him on the bench. It's not that they're playing to their strengths. It's just that you've got different personnel there. And it's changed the way that football team plays. You know, you know who they were last year at the back end? They were almost like um, the Golden State Warriors. Maybe Utah is a better example, right? They were... They were they're were, they all Mormons? Run and gun, three-point shots. They were thr- chancing their hand from everywhere. It was really open play. And now that they've got, in, you know, in inverted commas, better players or more traditional players, bigger bodies in the forward line, particularly in the back row, that are explosive runners, they're playing more like everyone else
0: we have to see but it seems to have basically taken an edge off their play so you know we'll see how they go um for me the highlight was um the Anthony Don try where kind of you could see him shape up and go thick shit I've got to try and kick this with my left foot but he pulled it off perfect kick it was a great it
1: was the it was the most awkward looking kick ever
0: <laughs> you could see him think about okay I've got to kick this with my left and
1: this could be very embarrassing and then he nailed it can I, can I also say, Anthony, Don, I said this last year. I said this last year. Underrated winger. He's got over 100 tries. Underrated winger.
0: You, you wouldn't know that, would you? Um, so, yeah, look, Titans won and, um, you know, wait till next week. I think we'll have to, like we say, give them a few weeks before we figure out what they are, I think.
1: Good segue with the Dean Pay conversation. To our listeners, settle down. Grab your bottle of wine. This could be a long one. Grab a, grab. a Maybe grab two. Settle in on the couch. Dim the lights. Put Barry White on and listen to Bulldogs Hour with G. G, you guys were absolutely terrible. This game had no redeeming qualities for the Bulldogs. The, the Panthers had continued their run. They've won 19 out of their last 20 games. And they've scored 52 points in 160 minutes without conceding. Dallin Wateni-Zelezniak will miss two games for a hit on Cleary. Does that matter? Well, I, su- I suspect your team will get better. <laughs> and, and, and so it's actually rubbed Cleary out of the game against Mel- Melbourne. Momorowski got two for the Titans, uh, for the Titans, for the Panthers on the right edge. i have a comment about that try. Kickout got two on the left. So between the middle, the left edge, and the right edge, your defense was woeful. The, the, the Panthers had... Five line breaks, and you're you're incredibly you're benefiting from Trent Barrett's coaching now because you had one line break, so you really threatened the line.
0: Yeah, we did. Apparently, we've improved, and he's
1: really improved the defence too because you only missed forty two tackles. But on a positive, you got your first penalty of the season. So, so, so Nathan Cleary and Kickow. Were the best for the Panthers. Kickow had 65 minutes, two tries, 150 meters, 47 post contact meters, six tackle busts, and three line breaks. That's a decent day out for a left edge back rower. Brian Toho ran for 254 meters, 113 of which were after contact, and he had five tackle busts. For the Dogs, Heatherington, Avarillo, and Adam Elliott missed. Do you want to guess how many tackles between them? A lot. 18. <laughs> 18 tackles between those three pe- people. Um, but what I will say is Josh, Josh Jackson, I wrote him off last week. He was a workman for you guys. Workman-like performance. He made 64 tackles without missing one. What did you think of this game? I'd be interested in where you think the Bulldogs are at. You've got the Broncos this week, which we'll talk about it then, but that's going to be a challenge for both teams. But you've conceded 60 points so far this season.
0: I don't know what to think. This might go from the Bulldogs hour with a bottle of wine to, can we just move on, please, and get a sip of water? So I don't have, well, I probably do have lots to say, but I don't want to go on a
1: rant. It's more... I think the listeners are expecting a rant. They want you to rant about the dogs.
0: Okay, do you know what? We're fucking shit. And everyone looks fitter. We are absolutely woeful
1: that wasn't a f- and you weren't the only one the tigers are another one it wasn't a first grade performance i mean
0: trent barrett thinks there's good signs and i know after two games he wants to be positive mate i don't know what he game he's watching it's they are so far off the pace in attack and defense they are woeful because and i, I don't really know if you look at the forward pack on paper it's not too bad right but they've been horrible Flanagan on the left, the right, our right edge of defence is dreadful.
1: In defence, you've noticed. You've started to notice. I called this out last year. He's a turnstile in defence,
0: but really badly. Like, as in, not even yes. You know, he slows the guy down. Like, if you run at him, he basically moves out of the way and misses tackles. And the frustrating thing is. And this is what I meant by he's got a bit of an ego. And this worried me. I spoke to some Bulldogs fans that are friends of mine. And they go, oh, but everyone's got to have an ego. But I said, yeah, but if you're a little bit too big, you know, then you don't think that's a weakness and something you necessarily should be working on, if that makes sense. Uh, That's why why I worry about Flanagan a little bit. He seems to have always had this saloon passage to first grade. I don't know if he thinks he's got weaknesses in his game. But anyway, that remains to be seen. He's still young. He's still improving, and players do get better. But I think being at the Roosters hid his deficiencies quite a bit.
1: I don't think it did. They were there if you looked.
0: The Roosters win, and that, you that one they
1: win, and two people only look at the attack. And you know why they only look at the attack? Because none of the commentators, and Greg Alexander does this a little bit, so that's why I like him. And they don't they don't call out the mistakes people are making in defence. It's a great left foot step. It's not a. Bad read by the defense.
0: And that's the thing. It wasn't a bad read. They just weren't good enough. I think what I'm really ticked off about, and I understand it's only two games and you know your your attacks going to come, etc. etc. But to be honest, Trent Barrett just looks to be running sharper, quicker version of Dean Pay's attack. In that there's They're just set plays. they're settlers, you don't see players in support. If you look at the good teams, even if you're not that good, just having numbers running next to the ball carrier adds a little bit of indecision to the defence. The Bulldogs are running one out, and they don't have the personnel to cover that, right? So the tactics for me...
1: Conditions weren't great.
0: But it wasn't different against Newcastle either. No, it wasn't. So I mean, and the conditions weren't great then, but to me it seems like a very set system of play, right? There's no runners in support. There's no offloads. It's just try to hold the ball. When you rely on percentages, a lot of the time, that if you're not quite good enough and you don't have the talent, the percentages go against you a lot of the time. So you end up losing more. Corey Allen is woeful. And I said this before, just because he played State of Origin.
1: You did, you did, like, you did say this. People,
0: people, the amount of space he got with Alex Johnson and Cody Walker made him look really good and South were a dominant team. They're better than just about everyone else. So he looked fantastic. But if you go back and look at those games, he filled the spaces that Cody Walker put him in. You know, and I don't think he has the pace to be a fullback and he adds he's added nothing. Like he's done nothing in Twig and his attempt at tackle for the last try on Momorowski, I don't care if it was 50 nil, he moved out of the way.
1: He didn't move out of the way. He moved out of
0: the way. If he's injured, you know what? I understand because the players beat, them, beat their bodies up in every game. But he moved out of the way, and that is not – I would drop him
1: for that. If he if he actually wasn't injured, he'd be dropped. We still. We, you miss a lot of tackles, and you still come back on this pod.
0: Yeah, but that's just an expectation, right?
1: And Nick Kotrick. Oh, Nick Kotrick. Oh, he's, he's been terrible this year. He's been terrible this year.
0: I've set it for a fuse. So I don't think he's that good.
1: Why is he playing in the centres?
0: Does he look like someone whose mind seems to be running too fast for his body and he doesn't I, seem uh, to be but, running But I feel
1: it. a bit sorry for him. If you recruit a winger and play him in the... And I just said with the Parramatta game, the, the, the centres are the most technical positions in the defensive line.
0: Well, I don't know. He's missing his te- technique, so... Well,
1: of course he is, G. It's his 11th game at centre in his whole life. I mean... Who does this? Who does this? I mean, you recruit a player and then play him out of position. He
0: rushes out at the wrong time. He's playing like a winger in the centres. It's bad recruitment. That's what it's called. They bought him as a Well, center. if you
1: wanted to play him out on the wing, it's a great recruitment. But I don't know. It's such a technical defensive position, whether you slide, whether you come out, the numbers, you often get isolated. Like we've spoken about this with the block players out, out there. So I don't, I don't quite get it, but... I'm not sure you're better this year. And let me tell you, when was... I've got two questions for you. When was the last time the NRL had a nil-all game? Because we could get it this week between the Bulldogs and the Broncos. No,
0: we won't. Uh, We won't. And um, the other thing I had was, geez, I don't know, Jerome Luai. You know what? I have to give myself some credit because no one else will. But you know how I said he's kind of like that guy in touch footy that's bouncing around just looking for the gap? That's what he was doing. He was just like bouncing from left to right teasing the defense and then basically flicking the ball inside or putting a grubber through or creating space for someone the defense had no idea how to handle him and he again was fantastic i liked flanagan's fire with him the 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 fiery element of flanagan though and shaping up to each other and challenging each other on the field i thought that was pretty good but you know, honestly the Panthers, a few little wrinkles, they've changed their attack a little bit. You've seen Crichton float into other areas of the field. They're just too athletic, too fast. Oh, too
1: good. Way too good. I mean
0: Seriously, two games, no tries. I mean wow. they're good on
1: both sides of the football. Their defence has been great. And so you know the amazing thing about their defence is isn't their edge defenses. It's actually their line speed. That because they're young and fit and fast, their line speed if you watch them. Like this, Their line speed's still great in the 73rd minute of the game, right? They're yes. still getting up.
0: They get up, their attitude's right, They and the one thing is they mirror Melbourne where they move up fast, but they slide fast too. So even if you try to go around them, their cover defence cuts you off because it's are so quick, and that's why they beat most teams because most teams aren't fast enough to challenge their defence. It's teams like Melbourne or the Roosters or someone like that who has that upper end of... Speed in the back line, they are the teams that might trouble Penrith. Other than that, mate, if they have no injuries, God, it wouldn't surprise me if they barely lose a game all year.
1: Okay, just, just a question from one of our listeners: Um, why did the Bulldogs play at Bankwest? You didn't have the answer last week. Why were they playing at Bankwest?
0: I think they figured because you know they don't have a home ground advantage because it doesn't really matter where they play because they're so bad. So they figured they'd probably just go out and you know spread the the word of the game the to um the population throughout Australia, Perth. Melbourne Parramatta
1: let's 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 move along
0: just angry what a game Jesus
1: oh, yeah it was it was I really enjoyed it
0: all right lucky it wasn't dry it would have been 50 nil oh.
1: I'll tell you what Super Saturday I feel sorry for the Fox still the last two super, the first two super Saturdays have been terrible the next game was manly versus Souths this was another poor game of football <laughs> there's just no other way to put it it was 10 six until just before halftime then Latrell went over it and then a Marty to power try after halftime, got it back to 14-12, but then a try piece from Damian Cook and Latrell and the game was gone, basically, at that point. I thought it was Damian Cook's best game in a while. He ran the ball eight times, close to 100 metres. He was much better in this game. And Adam Reynolds was fantastic until he was forced off with a head knock. And, and Benji, this is what we were saying last year, as a backup halfback, you get an injury. He's great in these roles. He's already proving to be an astute... Manly missed thirty-five tackles, and Marty Tapao and Jack Gasiuski missed seven and six re- respectively. I don't. I, I think DCE's been playing poor for Manly. Dylan Walker at fullback's not working. I I don't think they've got a lot of ta- talent. I think they've got four or five players that are very good first graders and and rep players, and then I think the rest of it's made up of hundred thousand and two hundred thousand dollar contract players. One thing that's interesting for me, rather more interesting than the game, because whilst the score was tied or close for a long period, I mean, Souths were never going to lose this game. Um, Souths only want to offer Adam Reynolds a one-year contract. I think he's playing really, really well. He's a Souths junior, and I get they don't want to be in the same position they were in with GI and Sam, Sammy Burgess, where they have to pay out a contract. They've, apparently they've got a new rule that they don't offer multi-year contracts to, to, to players aged over 30. But what did you think of this game and what do you think of the Adam Reynolds contract situation, G?
0: Who are you going to get that's that much better, really? He, he, he
1: steers a team around the park. He's you know barely misses a goal uh, or a conversion or a kick. So that- He dominated the first half of this game, right? He dominated the first half of this game. He ran the ball. He got a try. Kick potted goals from all over the park. Um, found touch, his kicking game was great. He's the best kicking half in the comp. And that's right. His kicking game's fantastic. I think for me, the one thing I I'm,
0: I will say first up is it was sad to see Andrew Davy. you know, an older guy who's sort of forced his way into first grade at Para and got an, a, a good opportunity at Manly, and then he's done his knee, the poor guy. Um, so that was sad to see. I thought, you know, I thought the game was, again, kind of average. I was going to ask you, did you... Did you ever think Souths were going to lose? No. Like
1: I read that Manly thought, oh, they they could have won the game. One of those games where Souths were in second gear and they went into third or fourth gear for ten minutes just to put them away, not let them get too close, and then they went back to second gear again. Like if Souths played, if Souths played at top speed, that they could have easily put fifty points on Manly.
0: And, and that's the thing, right? Like I read somewhere that you know. They kind of felt that Manly were in with a chance. But watching that game, I didn't feel that at all. It's almost like South just did enough. And it was a tight game, sloppy game. And I thought the try before halftime for South sort of really put Manly away, if that made sense. It gave them that little bit of a buffer. So yeah, Manly was still in the game, but they were not never going to win it. For me, Manly, the walker at fullback, I know they're covering for, you know, Trebojevic and um, Tommy Turbo, but that's not working at all. Like I don't know what's happened to Dylan Walker but he's lost that explosive speed that he used to have and now he's he's kind of solid well he's
1: not a, he's not a, he's not a fullback either right remember he's not a fullback
0: no he's not but you know he has played 58 before he played center but he used to have that explosive speed which is what made him such a sensational player They've
1: mismanaged the cap the reason Manly are in this position is they paid all their money to five players I know and they can't put a team around them
0: and I guess the thing is, you know, the, the wet weather, I think, kept the score close, like you say. And, uh, you know, Latrell Mitchell even went to the bin.
1: Oh, that was a terrible dive. What a dive from DCE. How does Latrell Mitchell get binned for that and Kafusi only go on report?
0: I think there's a conspiracy against Parramatta. I mean, it's just
1: inconsistency <laughs> in refereeing.
0: The, no, the, absolutely. Yeah, that's always the problem, right? We
1: didn't cover it in the last last game, but... It's ridiculous that the Bulldogs' first penalty came in six, 60 minutes into the second game of the season.
0: I think they were so busy kicking the ball back um, from halfway to the team that just scored a try, there hasn't been enough time to get a penalty. But, um <laughs> so just...
1: Secretly, the refereeing secretly <laughs> hasn't been great. But, but it's not in the press. It's not in the press because there's not as many penalties being blown.
0: That's right. And that's the thing. The press just focused on the penalties without context. It was such an easy headline, if you know what I mean. Whereas... You know, I was happy with the way they were going before, where they'd blow up anything because an infringement's an infringement. And once you got that, teams became scared of infringing, which was interesting. The game changed.
1: I actually don't think you need to make all these rule changes. You just need to enforce the rules that are there.
0: I agree with that because what that does then is people don't cheat offside, they don't flout the rules because they know there will be a penalty without doubt. So, but, you know, um, I think we finally got to see Jason Saab in the clear, which was actually exciting. But he got run down by Damian Cook. So Damian Cook still has that speed. And this, like you said, this game I felt he took a few more opportunities to run. And Souths really needs him to do that. And really their left-hand side attack with Walker, Latrell, and AJ, you know, Alex Johnson, you know, that can beat anyone. Like that's kind of really the difference for Souths. And I guess Manly, in a way... You know, they've been a little bit unlucky. I know we don't think they're great, but they've been a little bit unlucky meeting the Roosters and Souths in their first two games as well. The one thing Manly can take out of it is that for a while, they, they fell away from some of the better teams, so they're not there, but they kind of matched it with them for a little bit. But once they fell away, like, it all fell apart. And the only other thing was really some of the hairstyles. So I thought, Marty Tapau, I, I love Marty Tapau's hair. It's always perfect. It looks great um sits on his his shoulders really well
1: you know what i'll give you credit for what when i think you can't get weirder you find another level
0: i will and moses sully i mean come on man i know mullets are in but a ponytail mullet i mean you wonder why manly's in trouble seriously gee
1: gee i think you should grow a ponytail mullet i think that would be an amazing look on you
0: that would be the balding ponytail mullet and that is not a good look for anybody
1: Correct. I think that would be such a good look for you. In fact, that would probably go incredibly well with the trench coat. Correct. Can we move on to the last game of Not So Super Saturday, which I thought was going to be the worst game of the night, but actually proved to be the best game of the night. To the Cowboys versus the Dragons, 18-25. to 25. The Dragons won 25-18. It was a willing game. Both teams had a go, right? And Ben Hunt's best game at the Dragons. I cannot remember another game where he played as well as this for the Dragons. The Cowboys went in early through Valentine Holmes but then the Dragons scored twice and after Corey Norman popped a field goal over just before halftime they went up 13 to 6. The first 20 minutes after half time was the highlight of the game for me with the team swapping two tries each. Val Holmes, Ben Hunt, Jake Granville and Zach Lomax and um, I thought Michael Morgan had better signs this game. He got more involved. And there were some good signs from Val Holmes too, but very inconsistent. Not worth the money they're on yet. But at least there was a glimmer of hope for the Cowboys fans. I don't know how much of this is like the Titans. That were Saints really good or were the Cowboys poor? I couldn't quite work it out this game, which one, which one it really was. It, it wasn't a high-quality game. It was a willing game, but it wasn't a high-quality game. Six line breaks for Saints and one for the Cowboys. A- and the left edge of the Cowboys defensively was terrible. That's Cohen Hess, Jake Clifford, the Hammer, and Val Holmes. Although I can't really blame Val Holmes. But the Hammer, Jake Clifford, and Cohen Hess on the left edge for the Cowboys was 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 terrible i mean it was basically leaking like a sieve so uh, what did you think did you think this was the cow the dragons being really good or the cowboys being really poor or something a combination of the two i suppose
0: i think it's in between i think the dragons have improved i did say you know when we had our preview you challenged me and sort of i thought i thought they'd get better they have gotten better they have improved the dragons but the cowboys i don't think have they've improved a little bit but they're still quite ordinary Gee, I don't know. I don't know that the Dragons are
1: better. Not, I think some teams around them have gotten worse.
0: Do you really think that... I think the Cowboys are better than they were last Tigers, year. Tigers,
1: Broncos, Bulldogs, Cowboys, Manly. These are all teams that I think are going worse than they were last year. So are the Dragons that much better with the same personnel? The only swap out is McKinnis for McCulloch. They lost Tyson Frizzell, but... But I think I think there's teams that have regressed.
0: I think the attitude of the Dragons generally has improved in that you know the whole team's a bit pumped up, and that's the new coach thing. You know they went through all the stuff with Paul McGregor last year, and I think that wore on the players a little bit, and the expectation and the pressure. And to be honest, if I look at the press, the press were were after Mary McGregor too. You know, so any time they lost, whether you agree or disagree. It it ratcheted up the pressure on the Dragons quite significantly. So there were issues there, right? But I thought they were a lot better. I thought Hunt played pretty well because I thought he had runners. I thought the Dragons played a little bit more razzle-dazzle football and at times that played to their strengths because they're not that fast as a side, right? But they've got some game breakers. Like Ramsey is incredibly quick and they've got Dufty. So they've got some strike power. And Jack Bird looks a little bit better, when there's a little bit of ad-lib football, can use his skill and his kind of ability to find space, but he's not the fastest and not the strongest. So if you're just still
1: finding his feet, right? I mean, he's been basically out for a few years. I think it's gonna take it's gonna take a few games.
0: Yeah. So I thought he looked a lot better. I thought Corey Norman came out swinging. Sorry about the pun, but um, he he gave a shit. And you know there was a couple of desperate dives in defence to save a try.
1: Hey, what's the what's the big thing for Corey Norman this year?
0: Oh, well, okay. Well, maybe that's it. But he's, you know, his first game back, his attitude was excellent. And I think that makes a massive difference to the Dragons. He's just a smooth player, right? He just is.
1: Look, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm not looking at them going, oh, look, they're not going to crack that top nine. No, no, they're not that good, no. And then I look at then I look at the bottom seven and I go... Well, I reckon five of those teams have gone backwards and potentially below them, right? Yeah. So don't be
0: surprised if the Dragons say beat the Bulldogs or beat the Broncos and stuff like that. So they, it'll probably the points will probably show they're a lot better. But it's also a bit of both. What you say? Some of the teams have gotten worse. I think Cohen Hess. I don't know. He he looks the part. But he's just not up to it. He's kind of like Ivan Drago in Rocky IV. Like you know, he's got the it's got the flat. Top, I think the he's muscles. got an
1: attitude problem. I think he need, probably needs to leave North Queensland. I mean, he's got all the talent there. He played Origin. But is that the problem? Right, as soon as someone came through the Cowboys, because the media
0: narrative picks certain players and they go, "Oh, this guy's a state of Origin player." He makes Origin straight away, and then you're in a team where constantly everyone's talking about how great they are, and I don't know if he was ever really that good. Well, maybe not. Because I always thought he was highly rated, but it was based on potential rather than what he actually did on the field.
1: I will say one other thing. The hammer is way too small to be playing center.
0: Yeah, I think he should be their fullback, to be honest. I think it gives him space to move. But Valentine Holmes...
1: Not great, but better. Not great, but better. Him and Michael Morgan, that's the description for them.
0: Better. And I think for the Cowboys, they were going through, again, their sort of set plays, And it might be because they're in the early in the season... But I found that when Valentine Holmes scored that try, that little bit of play what you see and create opportunities, it suited their game a little bit better. So
1: The rumour is there's a dressing room problem up there. And that is that the players the players have got too much power and they push Paul Green out and Todd Payton's been brought in to try and control some of that.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me.
1: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Like, uh, There's either going to be a clear out... Or Todd Payton's job could be at risk, right? He's already gone after Tama Valentine Holmes, we know, wants to play fullback. He's said he's a winger. He's playing Scott Drinkwater there, who was 5'8 last year. Jake Clifford has not had a good start to the season. Michael Morgan's been anonymous for almost 18 months. So there's some issues there.
0: And this is what I mean by narrative, right? North Queensland's been poor for a few years. But the thing is, there was always this media, oh, you know, Thurston and blah, blah, blah. They never got the heat that some of the other teams have gotten before, if that makes sense. They've kind of gotten away with, you might consider poor performances for three or four years, whereas the Dragons, for example, constantly got the Sydney media on their back all the time. A different way of reporting, and I think the Cowboys have gotten away with, like you say, poor attitude for a while, and maybe that's why there's dressing room issues.
1: Maybe. Further clubs can keep you out of the dressing room, the better their club culture tends to be. Yeah,
0: okay. Get out of here.
1: All right. Let's move on to Sunday. The, the first game and on Channel 9 was Tigers versus Roosters. The Tigers made the Bulldogs look like they were the 1989 Canberra Raiders. The Roosters won this game 40-6. There was five tries down the Tigers' left edge. I have not seen an edge put in a performance like this in a long time. And I watched the Broncos last year. That's saying something. Luciano, Joey, Luke Brooks and Capoa may as well not have been there. That's how bad that left edge was. I have never seen uh, under-16s could have scored against that left edge. Having said that, the Roosters' right edge happens to be, as I mentioned last year, so it was the weakest left edge in the comp against the strongest right edge in the comp, in my opinion. Kiri, Tupanua, Manu, and Brett Morris absolutely tore them apart. Absolutely tore them apart. Brett Morris got another hat-trick. Tedesco got another double it was a training run for the Roosters. Luke Kiry was superb, as was Lindsay Collins through the middle. Um, I do think Dane Laurie's trying really hard, and he's probably the Tigers' best. He's a, light, he's a light-footed fullback. He's a bit in the Brian Pappenhausen mould. The Tigers have conceded 70 points in two weeks, which is very unmatchlike. like um, And Joey Leilua missed seven tackles. I mean, he's he was off at the races. Luke Brooks missed four. Luke Brooks is... Is way down on confidence, way way down on confidence. They're almost at a point where they've got to find a halfback for the future. I mean, they're probably five five years away from contending for a, for a premiership if they build the roster up right. And I don't think Luke Brooks is going to be the halfback when that happens. So I think they got to start looking for the future. The Roosters were superb. Thirty seven out of forty two sets um, completed. They ran for four hundred more meters than the Tigers, so they completely dominated them through the middle. They got 150 metres post-contact metres. They, they just dominated the Tigers. Madge Maguire's got some problems there. Yeah, I think he's the problem. I've said that before, and I think he thinks... That's not coaching. That wasn't coaching on the weekend, unless it's he's lost the dressing room and they're not willing to play for him anymore. That, that could be coaching.
0: I think that's the case.
1: It, it wasn't X's and O's. X's and O's weren't the problem on the weekend. It was attitude. They didn't seem like they knew what they were doing. Like, it was it was really poor.
0: I think it's him. I think they've he's lost the dressing room, and I think he's lost the players. And I'll read you a quote later from Marcelo Bielsa that kind of explains what I think about Madge Maguire, too.
1: It's not the shit-on-a-stick quote
0: from uh, no, Valdano, is it? No. That's sometimes related to some state-of-origin games, actually. But... Uh, in Queensland.
1: That's true. That is true. That's true. It's a terrible game of football. And I can't em- believe I'm agreeing with you. That's absolutely true. You
0: know, it's you could play anybody there, put him in a maroon jumper. Could Some be like people a bunch will of- tell
1: you if you put shit on a stick in the middle of the stadium, in that cauldron, they will tell you it's art. It's not art. It's shit on a stick.
0: You could put cabbages in a maroon jersey and it, the atmosphere would be incredible. Um, but... I think for me, for the Roosters, the first two weeks, Tedesco's involvement in both games is phenomenal. Like he's involved now, he's up in the line all the time.
1: All the time. He's playing like a 5'8", almost. Kind of,
0: right? And an extra attacker, and he's constantly threatening the line. And his he's, passing game's actually improved further, which is really testament to the Roosters.
1: Well, I mean, and if you remember when he first came through, he couldn't pass the ball to anyone. He was terrible.
0: He's not a fluid guy, right? Like, even when he runs, he kind of runs a bit funny. Um, he's just good on his feet. Like, nothing, he looks awkward. But his passing's improved so much. And good on the Roosters and him, especially for someone who's, you know, they've won comps and he's, he's older in his career and he's still getting better. Involvement constantly is making the Roosters incredibly dangerous. With Brett Morris, I want to ask you a question, right? With the new rules, I know they're rolled up, but the Morris boys... Have always been fast now with the extra space now they're still fast but they've always been really big big guys right do you think that that's kind of added an extra two years because now with the space with their speed and size they seem to have become harder to tackle again because they're operating with a bit more space when they're running um at fullbacks and the fullbacks have basically had no chance the first two weeks
1: so can i answer the question this way It's added two years to their careers because they're playing at the Roosters. If they're playing at the Tigers, it doesn't add two more years to their career.
0: All right, fair enough. They don't get
1: well. What I'm saying to you is, the Roosters put them in positions where they can use the skills and talents that they've still got. You know, they're not going to get that level of protection inside them at the Tigers. They're going to be isolated in defence. They're going to drag, get dragged out of position. They're going to have to make more tackles, so they'll be more tired in attack you know at the roosters where you've got a good side i mean if they were at melbourne it'd be the same they've prolonged their career because they're at a good club and
0: i think some of that space is actually added made them more dangerous again because you know trying to tackle them running at that speed and with their agility it's really difficult
1: yeah but, but but that's why is that space there it's not just the rules it's the
0: roosters yeah oh yeah for sure um and that right side like you say the attack with tedesco's involvement Tupanua. Has continued on where he's left off. He runs amazing lines. He's rangy. He's fast. And he always hits holes. He's fantastic as an attacking fringe back rower. And then you've got um, Waria Hargraves, where he actually slowed down, passed before the line. And the, the try where Kira, where they got Kiri in the clear, and this was it. And he just sort of flicked it behind because he knew Brett Morris was going to be there it was unbelievable. Like he did it. He barely even looked. It wasn't no look. He just knew that Brett Morris was coming up. In support.
1: How did Luke Keery not get any points in the Dalli M's? He's been played out of his skin. And he's got one point from the first two rounds or something. The Dalli M's are fast. The Dalli M's are fast.
0: It can be. Britt Morris has scored a hat-trick, so they always get one because they scored a hat-trick. And then Tedesco has been the most prominent player both games. So then you've almost got... There is only one or two points left over, right?
1: Did he get one? Or, or I thought Lindsay Collins got...
0: Yeah, Lindsay Collins was fantastic. I was going to say, Lindsay Collins... He floats around the field as a prop, which is adds so much to their attack and defense. So he's really agile and he's he's versatile, right? But then he also does the hard yards up the middle and the tough stuff. But in defense, his agility and his versatility makes a huge difference to them. And just the Roosters' attitude has been sensational. You know, they've just blown both teams away. And the only other, I have two things to mention from the game. I noticed in the background that, you, you know that Jackie Chan dance track? Have you heard that? No, they were, they were playing it over the the tannoy at Campbelltown. I've made, even if the Tigers were made up of thirteen Jackie Chans, and you've seen his movies, he can beat you know fifty people at the same time. I still don't think they would have won.
1: They 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 did play they did play like drunken masters without the <laughs> they, kung fu they skills. Did, without they the did, kung fu did. skills,
0: they're the guys getting belted by Jackie Chan. They were playing that song, and I just thought, God, that's appropriate. Um, and Tedesco, his teeth are fantastic, and I just. They're so white and so straight. So I don't know. Maybe he's had Invis- Invisalign. The
1: Sharks versus the Raiders on Sunday night. That's always my cue to move on.
0: Take a look, mate. They're, I'm telling you, he's had Invisalign and teeth whitening. They looks look sensational.
1: Okay. The Raiders won 12 10 um, off the back of three missed goals from Chad Towns, and one of them was almost in front. Um, It was Wade Graham's 250th game, and if you've seen the footage, he walked out with his kids, and it was very emotional. The past five games between these two teams has been decided by four points or less. From the start, Chad Townsend kicked out on the full, and then the Sharks were under the pump for 20 minutes, the first 20 minutes. The Sharks defended well, scrambling and tough. Their defensive line's been great this year, actually, the Sharks. Um, The Raiders had 65% possession, and 19 tackles inside the Sharks' 20 in the first 20 minutes. 19 tackles inside the 20 in the first 20 minutes. The Sharks completed four out of eight and missed 14 tackles, and the Raiders completed their first nine sets. Despite that, it took the 21st tackle inside the 20 when Chris stepped Chad Townsend badly on the Sharks' right edge and carried Hirodi over the line for their first try. So the Sharks defended well. They put themselves under pressure. Um, but in the end, just the weight of possession told. Um, in the first half, and, I'm, and the reason I'm giving you these is I'm going to explain why the Sharks came back in the second half. The first yeah. half, the Raiders had 23 of 25 completions. They had 34 tackles in the 20, but just before halftime with the Sharks on the attack, Matt, and Matt Moylan's been playing better, but they're on the attack and he threw this pass that leads to the Raiders scoring through Hudson Young, and it was 12-0 at that point. Without Matt Moylan throwing, if he just takes the tackle there, they get to halftime. They win this game. Irrespective of Chad Townsend's kicking, so it's the rocks and diamonds nature of Matt Moylan, right? That that was really, you know, that really hurt the Sharks. But they came out in the second half. And, and they really turn things around. And it's a funny thing to say about a team that put on 30 points to the Tigers last week and then scored twice in the first half. But I think the the Raiders' attacks really lacking fluency. They're not looking good in attack yeah. at all.
0: The interesting thing about the attack point for me is Hodgson adds so much to their attack. But I think what he does is he actually dominates the attacker. Now, watching Whiten as well. And this is on your point about the attack. I think Whiten's been a little bit more selfish this year. Last year, you know, he ran a lot and he broke the line. And this year, what I've noticed is he seems to be constantly trying to do that. He's not necessarily making the right play. I mean, you don't expect him to do it all the time, but he just seems a little bit more selfish to me, trying to take over games all the time.
1: They're still finding their rhythm in, it, in, in attack. I mean, having said that, Hudson Young targeted Matt Moyle in the whole game. And we know what Matt we've we've commented on Matt Moylan's defence in the past. So now you might not have noticed this early in the second half. Did you see Canberra hold the ball at the foot of the second rower in the scrum in the second half? Yep. Did you see that?
0: Yep. Trying to catch him offside.
1: No, 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 no. Because you got the new rule this year for the breaking too early from the scrum.
0: That's always been there. What they're enforcing it this year.
1: They're enforcing it this year. (laughs) All right. So it's interesting that they won't show that again. That's one of the plays that people leave towards the end of that was a test they'll leave that for when they need it um clock clockstad picked up an injury in the in in the first half and toughed his way through now they did come back in the second half they had a gritty and tough second half so it compl- possession completely swapped under the new rules momentum switches so quickly the sharks turned it around it was 65 percent pos- possession of raiders in the first half 55 to to Cronulla in the second half and they had 19 tackles inside the 20 in the second half. Canberra went scoreless in the second half. In the end, I think they were lucky to get it because Chad Townsend's kicking cost them. And one of them I reckon I could have thrown over. Hudson Young also looked like he picked up a knee injury. And can I say you were right about William Kennedy. You clearly saw it when I did, didn't. He has started to look good. So good call, G. And
0: yeah, He's getting more confident and getting more involved.
1: Well, you know what's my test for the fullbacks? Backing up through the middle. Yes,
0: it's very important.
1: Because remember they're roaming around that back, right? They almost play like the old five8 So they, they they add the extra man either side. But if you're doing it through the middle, that means you're either following you're either following a middle forward or a hooker. You know, and you know who else is doing that this year that didn't last year? Latrell Mitchell. Since Latrell's played fullback this year's the first year he's backing up through the middle.
0: I don't know. I just thought this game was fairly even, to be honest. I mean the conditions
1: Well, I thought I thought in the end the Sharks will feel really unlucky. even despite them not holding the ball despite all that sort of stuff you know i reckon morris has done a pretty good job there so far i mean look i'm like you i
0: probably thought the raiders looked like they not would run away with it but they kind of looked like they were a tad better and then they kind of just dropped off and sort of became a little bit more conservative i think right there was no fluency to their attack so no and at the end i'm like you i thought Moylan looked a little bit better, um, especially pushing off his head. Jack
1: is not, not capable. he's not he hasn't been isolating defenders the same way he did last year and breaking the no. line. You know, you can play a defensive line with a lot of space in between players or very little space between when Jack White gets the ball, you'll see the defense compress. They'll actually leave space outside because they don't want Jack White to to break the line, so they'll it'll he'll actually end up in a lot of gang tackles,
0: and that's what I mean. He's trying to run and break the line all by himself, and he ends up with if you notice, know, like you said, three or four players tackling him at the same time. Well,
1: if I'm Ricky, I'm just I'm saying three or four times a game, just before contact or contact the line, he needs to he needs to have a runner to slip the ball off to. Where you play a block play and a second man play, so you have got a decoy, and he goes right to the line and cuts it back to to the to the guy behind. And I'll look, I just think I'm with you. They
0: they lack a little bit of fluency in attack. I think it's still coming together. They get Kroger back this week, which will be a big difference. They're trying to find their feet again. I think with Hodgson coming back because he's so dominant. Um, he adds a lot of creativity and variety around the ruck. He's fantastic with his passing and stuff. But...
1: i tell you who's suffering for having Josh Hodgson back. George Williams. George Williams. Yeah, he's basically done nothing in the first two games. Yeah, correct. Because, you know, Josh Hodgson plays a bit like Cam Smith. He's Cam Smith's the halfback at hooker. Yeah, Hodgson's exactly like and that. Hodgson's exactly the same. Exactly the same in that regard.
0: He's creative. He's the kicker. He looks for the ball playing. Like, he adds something. But I think at the moment, he's trying to take over again and whiten's got to settle down and so does george williams i think they'll come good but it's going to take
1: a bit of time to figure that that out again fair enough and and that brings us to a close of round two let's 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 cover the games in round three um before we um we we do that though we obviously missed brought the bronson jerry suspension we covered it last week the four years but i know you had some strong thoughts on this what was your views on the bronson jerry situation
0: I'm kind of disappointed because you're such an exciting player to watch. I mean, a four-year suspension is incredibly long. And, I don't know, it seems to be a little bit unprecedented. You know, you've got a lot of the things, people that got suspended, Frusada or Wada or whatever it was with, you know, the peptide scandal with Essendon and things like that and Cronulla. No one got suspended for four years or there was multiple infringements, i got no idea, but it just seems incredibly harsh. I would have thought a two-year ban would have been sufficient. Look, hopefully he finds his way back, and I know he can give people advantages. I'm not, you know, oblivious to that, but a bit sad to sort of seem rubbed out
1: for four years. Does it, I mean, you're, you're quite a large anabolic steroid user. Does it help on the pod?
0: It actually makes you grab the microphone a little bit too hard, so it actually creates a lot of background noise. So, yeah, it's probably performance... It's not really performance-enhancing. Oh, good.
1: All right. All right, well, with that hard-hitting analysis, let's move on to round three. Um, first up, on the Thursday night, we've got the Panthers versus the Storm. Whilst it's a, they're both teams are $1.90 on sports bet, but the Storm do have a one-and-a-half-point start. So the Panthers are a slight, slight, very slight favourite. Um, now, some changes for both teams there. Obviously, for... Melbourne Felisi Kafusi's out with his suspension, and also Ryan Pappenhausen's out as well. So, some changes there. With um, I think Nico Hines has come in at fullback. Cooper Johns has come onto the bench for the Melbourne Storm. With Tom Eisenhuth moving into the to the starting yeah. lineup um, for the Panthers. Nathan Cleary's the only out there, uh, and Matt Burton's replacing him in the in the starting lineup. So. Um, what are your thoughts on the Panthers versus Storm and who did you pick?
0: Now that clear is out, it's a hard one for me to pick. I'm not really too enamoured with Matt Burton. I don't know. He's, he seems very hyped, but I want to see it. Like He's playing in a dominant side, right? Very
1: good when he played two games earlier last season.
0: Yeah, in a dominant team that basically hadn't lost a game. You know, Every player looked like a superstar that came into their team. I'm going to tip the Panthers only because I think Jerome Luai will sort of take control of the game, and I think Melbourne will miss Pappenheisen significantly. Nico Hines is a very skillful player, but a a different player to Pappenheisen. More a ball player, silky smooth, fluid type of player. Not as explosive and um, doesn't attack the line as as quickly um, as Ryan Pappenheisen. And I think against Penrith... They will miss that. They can make do with Nico Hines against other teams, against Penrith. They need Pappenhausen out there. And I think um, as a result, they won't trouble the defence too much and I think Penrith will win.
1: Okay, so I, I, I'm struggling to pick this game. I, I'm leaning the other way. I'm leaning towards the Storm, just simply because I think Nathan Cleary is a bigger out than Ryan Well, And what I mean by that is is they're losing a playmaker. Yep, definitely. And and I think they've got both Nico Hines and Matt Burton are great replacements, but I just think I just think that's the that's the challenge there, right? So, but it's going to be too close to call either way. I'm going to be glued to my TV. I think it's going to be a great great game.
0: Oh, can't wait.
1: Yeah, it's, we've got a couple like that. We've got a few games like yeah. that. This is shaping up as a really Dragons. good round.
0: The Dragons and Seagulls is going to be a great game.
1: Or or the Bulls Broncos vs Dogs. Okay. Okay. So so let's let's move on to the Friday night game. Uh, the Dragons versus Manly is the six pm kickoff at Wynn Stadium. Uh, again, both teams are actually a dollar ninety on sports bet. Is that a we don't know who's going to win, or is that a we don't give a shit who wins? I, I'm suspecting the latter. I've got to be honest with you.
0: Okay, all right.
1: And Saints Saints have a a point and a half head start. Again, tough one to call. Um, for the teams, I think Saints have named an unchanged seventeen. Um, so. Very, very uh, fortunate given their win. So that's good. That's a good sign for the Saints team. Um, now, Cade Cust has to pass concussion protocols um, to take his place. If Cust is ruled out, then Dez Hasler could opt for an all-forward interchange by elevating Sipley from reserves. Or add a, or, or he could give um, Tavita Funo or Morgan Harp, or Palutu uh, a run. Jordan Schuster's come into the back row for Andrew and You mentioned his ACL injury. That's ruled him out for the season. So and Morgan Boyle's come onto the bench. So again, players some players that are either very young or or, or with with without much of a reputation. So um what who are you tipping in this game? I, I I think Saints will get this one, to be honest with you.
0: This for me is a $1.90 each way game. It's so hard to pick because Manly's played two of the best teams in the competition and looked ordinary. But there's a vast gap between the best and the rest. But Saints have looked a little bit better playing against a team that's you know, one of the worst. So it's hard to actually really know where they both sit, to be honest, be honest. Um, in relation to each other. I'm going to tip the Dragons only because I thought they showed a little bit extra against the Cowboys. And in attack, I thought Ben Hunt got a little bit more confidence back, which was important. I felt he attacked the line, which is what made him dangerous when he played for Brisbane so I thought that was a good sign and there was a lot more backing up from the Dragons and enthusiasm against the Cowboys which I thought helped them win too so as a result of that I'm tipping I'm tipping the Dragons and I think again because of Desi's system I think the lack of attack from the back at fullback by still having Dylan Walker there I think hampers Manley's attack and they don't have much so Dragons for me
1: great so far, it's, the, well, it's, it's a tough round, some of these games to pick. So we move on to what may be the, the, the game of the round, which is Souths versus the Roosters on a Friday night at 8 p.m. Um, I think the, this game's at ANZ, actually, So um, as a Souths home game. It's funny saying, I'm still getting used to saying that, or Stadium Australia, as it's now called. Um, Souths have a two-and-a-half-point start on Sportsbed. They're $2.25 underdogs. The Roosters are $1.65 on, on Sportsbed. Um, and Adam Reynolds will play for for Souths. He will. Yeah, he will. He will. So, and I think otherwise. Victor Victor Radley is likely to make his debut off the interchange bench this year, this week. So, Angus Crichton and, and Jacob Host are out. For, well, Angus Crichton's out for the Roosters, and Jacob Host and Jackson Paulo are out for Souths. Which way? Uh, which way are you leaning on this one, G?
0: The conditions made it hard hard to sort of really understand how Souths played last week I didn't think they were that great against Manly they have that unbelievable left-handed attack and one of the best players to watch in Cody Walker but I think the roosters uh, look the first two weeks I know they've played a couple of the dodgy sides in the competition but they have put them to the sword and blown them away both times they haven't let up their attitude has been sensational and the fact that Tedesco is involved in everything. And what I saw from Lachlan Lamb is getting better and more comfortable. And he gives them a lot of directness from the 5'8 position as well in attack. And he's light on his feet. So I think they've got danger everywhere. And Lindsay Collins has been unbelievable. And then you've got Takiaho and Tupanua. You know what? I can't see the Roosters losing. Unless Cody Walker is man of the match by miles. Other than that, Roosters for me. Too good. So far this year,
1: yeah, I think the Roosters too. It'll be the the Tedesco versus Latrell matchup's going to be interesting, and of course Josh Mansoor's back for South. So um, I think I said Angus Crichton's out. Angus Crichton's actually in. Is in for the for the Roosters. So um, yeah, I, I I think the Roosters will get this one. But um, sometimes the form guide gets thrown out the window with these games, right? They beat what did they beat them last year? Sixty to eight.
0: Yeah, um, incredible. That's what was in the back of my mind when I was thinking about it. So. But yeah, so I just think the Roosters so far this year have been incredible. The first, okay, two shit teams, but
1: both of them could have been 50 to nil, which means they're they're on form. So we're both tipping the Roosters there. So we move on to Not So Super Saturday. First up is the Canberra versus Warriors. Warriors have a 10-point start. Canberra's a $1.31 favourites. Warriors $3.50. This is at home in Canberra. I can't see anything other than a Canberra victory here. Chanel Harris-Tavita's done a serious injury. Yeah, sadly, he's out. For 12 weeks, broken foot, I think. 12 weeks, yeah, that's the yeah. estimate. Um, Jared Croker's named the player's first game of the year for after recovering from off-season shoulder surgery. Um, so that's good. Youngster Sebastian Chris, who was impressive in the centres in the opening two. Yeah, runs, it's been looking pretty good, huh? he has been pretty good. Again, come. I think it's easier coming into a good team than coming into a terrible team. Oh, without a doubt, yeah, for sure. And for the Warriors, Bailey Sirenin was was pictured in a sling, but they said it was only precautionary and, and he's been named to play. Sean O'Sullivan had a lot of raps. He's coming in to replace Chanel Harris-Tavita. He's a Panthers junior. Well, he just couldn't get in ahead of Cleary, Luai, and Matt Burton. So,
0: 75 other players. That
1: suggests to me he could be quite good. So... Um, he, he looks like the first choice to replace Chanel Harris-Tavita. Yep, Bunty yep. Afoa will start at prop in place of the suspended Jermaine Tanua brown Great name. Yeah, and Jack Murchie has nice. been named to return from a peck injury on the bench. And, and, and adding for Nua Blake's going to make his 100th appearance in the NRL. So... Can you see a Warriors upset here? Do you know what? Not really. I thought they were
0: quite ordinary against the Knights, um, and solely because, I don't know, some of their players, like a lot of players have trimmed down, but I think Peter Hiku went back home to New Zealand and just sort of thought, you know what? Stuff it. We've been in Australia for months. We're, we're just going to relax with our families and live it up before we have to go back again. So some of the Warriors players said to put on weight instead.
1: Um <laughs> Well, it could be quite a low-scoring game, so the Warriors could be good value at um, plus ten. And the reason I say that, uh, the, the reason I say that is because Canberra's attack hasn't been fluent, and the Warriors are that they haven't threatened the line much. They've been playing a very conservative style of football. You know, if they both play a conservative game,
0: I just think the Raiders have a little bit too much experience and class in their team. So uh, that's the reason why I'm tipping Canberra. I just think the conservative conservative game plan by Nathan Brown is holding back some of their players like Nick Arima, um, Roger tuivasa Vasashek. and they've got wingers like Maulau Marlowe and Fusitua. Once you get them in space, they're so big and so fast they can be deadly, but. It's only through set plays. They're not really playing an expansive game. So I don't think they're going to do enough to trouble the Raiders' defense, to be honest. So I think the Raiders will win. Fair enough.
1: Okay, so we're moving on to the game of the round, which is the Broncos versus the Bulldogs. Uh, a clash between two titans of the competition at the moment. Um, they're playing it at Suncorp, so I assume that's a Bulldogs home game. Yeah. <laughs> Probably is so. The Broncos are a favorites. The Bulldogs are two dollars fifteen. The Bulldogs have been given two and a half points start for the Broncos. Brody Croft has retained his number seven jersey, um, despite quite a push to get Tom Dearden in there. Um, Tom Dearden has been named as a reserve, and and by all of yeah. by all accounts trained as a hooker as well during the week. So, um, he he's backed his team in with his selections. He hasn't gone for wholesale changes, but he has. He does have Payne Haas returning from suspension next round, um, and Matt Lodge is still a couple of couple of um, weeks away for the for the Bulldogs. Um, Raymond Fatala Mariner has a broken foot. Yeah, sadly he was pretty he was sensational for us last year. So predicting either the season or right towards the end before he's back. So Corey Waddell moves from the interchange bench into the starting lineup, and Joe Stimson from the reserves last week to the bench. Winger Katoa will play his second NRL game as a replacement for Dallin Watenis-Zelezniak, who's suspended. And um, Sione Katoa has changed places with Jeremy Marshall King, who made his comeback from injury last week. Um, I'm tipping the Broncos. I've got no confidence in tipping the Broncos. This could be the worst game of rugby league we ever see in our lives.
0: Oh, there's worse. But um, as to all the Bulldogs' changes, my answer to that is, so what? And I think the Broncos... (laughs) will will beat us and beat us quite easily. I think they'll win by ten. And the reason why I say that is yes, they're young and yes, you know, at times their forward pack can run out of um fitness at the back end, but that's when they're playing some of the better teams, right? We are not one of the better teams. We don't play at a fast speed. And our back line is woefully slow to the point where Nick Meaney is our only player that has any pace. And Avarillo at 5'8", is a disaster because... He's been his, terrible, His Jake. defense has been terrible and it's taking away his speed. You got
1: William Kennedy right and you got Jake Avarillo wrong.
0: Avarillo should be at fullback because it's going to give him some space to move and use his skill and his speed. So they've basically nullified that by playing him at 5'8". And I just don't think, even if our defense holds up, there's nothing in attack to threaten the Broncos' line. I mean, who's going to score, to be quite honest? Um, we've been very disappointing, and I don't expect Joe Stimson or Dylan Napa on the bench to do anything either. So,
1: Big puppy. I've said this to you before. You're Big loving puppy loving
0: Tessie New, Herbie Farnworth, Xavier Coates, Jermaine Asako, David Mead, they're far faster than any of our players and well
1: and they and they they got spirit in them but they got to keep it up for 80 minutes or at least for 53 to bury the dogs if both teams tire in the second half this could be the worst 20 or 30 minutes of football you ever see in your life i'm telling you this these are not too good football teams so so we move on to the last game of super saturday which i think will be a team that always troubles us so it's Parramatta versus the sharks it is a bank west um, this is, this is always a tough game for us. The Sharks haven't beaten a side in the top eight in a long time or they finished in the top eight last year, but I think this is going to be a lot closer than people think. Sportsbet have given the Sharks a six point start. They're $2.60 underdogs and the Eels are a $1.50 favorites. For, um, the Eels, the only change is obviously Ryan Madison's out and Isaiah Papali has coming into the starting lineup. Who's been sensational for us this year. And Ray Stode takes his place on the bench. For the Sharks, um, Connor Tracy will step up from the interchange to replace Hiroti. So um, he, I, I think Hiroti, I, I'm not sure whether he's injured or he's been dropped. It's a bit rough on the on the youngster. It's only a couple of games in, but, but Connor Tracy's a utility and can do a job there. Um, what do you think of this game? The, the Sharks have won six out of their last eight games against us, so they do trouble us.
0: I actually think it's going to be a really close game. My gut tells me to go for para, but
1: my gut tells me to go for the sharks.
0: but I'm thinking I honestly think the sharks might pull an upset. I think Para is susceptible to emotional letdowns after some of the games. I think they are an emotional side at times. I've said that before and I think after the fabulous performance against Melbourne I think they might have a little bit of a hangover. To, yeah, a little bit. I think they might and I think um, the sharks might get them. I'm not confident. I just think that the Sharks might get them this week.
1: All right. Well, I hope you're wrong, but I suspect you might be right. So we move on to the Sunday games, the Channel 9 games, the Knights versus the Tigers. Knights are a $1.37 favourites, Tigers $3.10, and the Tigers are getting an 8.5-point start. This game is being played at Newcastle. Um, it doesn't really matter about the team lists because I, there's no way the Knights are going to lose this to the Tigers. Kurt Mann's back in for the Knights after after he withdrew against the Warriors. Um, so Crossland, who was his replacement, was suspended for a crusher tackle. So as a result, Nathaniel Sasagi has been named in the reserves as cover. So for the Tigers, coach Madge Maguire confirmed after the loss to the Roosters that James Roberts would return and has been named at centre. Joey Leilua is the man to make way. Like, that's got to fix things. But anyway, yeah. Well, he was terrible, though. he, oh, he, he was. He, and he needed to send a statement. Joey Leilua needed to be... It was a terrible... It was just woeful. It was a terrible performance.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was.
1: Now, it might be that he moves him to Joey Leilua's side, though, because James Roberts um is typically a right centre, and Joey defends on the left. So so that that might be something to try and plug the defence he might do. Yeah. Uh, and this is why I've said to you, like, actually naming these guys in numbers from 1 to 17, it's archaic. They need to the, the way they need to show the positions on an NRL field is left, right, and the middle.
0: Yeah, I think it's just easy to sort of name them this way.
1: It doesn't actually tell you anything anymore.
0: I agree with you. I think um, I'd imagine we're both picking a, tight, a Knights win this week. Um, I Yeah, I just think the Knights have actually played pretty well, and some of their plays have... You know, Tex Hoy is getting a little bit better each week.
1: What if the Tigers get blown away again? What does that mean for them? What happens if... What if the Knights put 40, 40 or 50 points on them?
0: I think you're going to get massive pressure on Madge Maguire.
1: That's a real problem for Madge and that club.
0: It is, because they've extended his contract, right? So what do they do?
1: Well, he might want to get out and they might not want him there. I don't know. But if, they, if the Knights put 40 or 50 on them, that's that's... But, but it's the same for the Broncos and the Bulldogs. I mean, if you if the loser of that game... No, they might not win, but I think with
0: Kevin Walters and Trent Barrett, they have the privilege of being new coaches. You know, they're turning over the roster. They're trying to improve players. So they've got a little bit of leeway in terms of, you know, some of their results. No one's expecting them to do much. Madge McGuire is a whole different story, right? And I'm going to go back to that quote that I mentioned about Marcelo Bielsa. And this is what I think about him. I think his issue is... He came to Souths, he was part of an assistant coach at a dominant Melbourne team, and then at Souths, and he, he's had talent the whole time, and he coaches attitude and commitment and desire. His game plans have generally been very simple and very conservative, right? So he's tried to bring the same thing to the Tigers, but at the end of the day, you don't have the talent just to be committed, turn up each week, and you're going to beat teams through sheer you know um, brilliance from some of your talented players. And he hasn't changed. And I think what's happened is he needs to change the way he's approaching the game. Otherwise, the Tigers are going to go nowhere and the players will tire of him. And it's going to end in a disaster. And this is the quote that Marcelo... We love Marcelo Bielsa.
1: Oh, right. Okay. So I thought... That's a long quote from Marcelo Bielsa about rugby league.
0: (laughs) I know. He watches everything. You know that, right? (laughs)
1: Um, And
0: I think one of... The interesting quotes he had is they were talking about.
1: Is this the quote where he says why you kick my dog and call him fucking? No, this is. It's probably kick his bucket
0: more like it that he sits on. But um, Jorge Sampaoli, who took over the Marseille job recently, and you know they spoke about him being a disciple of Marcelo Bielsa, and Marcelo Bielsa is quite you know magnanimous, and his comment was. One of a coach's best virtues is flexibility, not falling in love with their own ideas. And he said further, I don't relent with my ideas and that's not a virtue, it's a flaw.
1: I was, You know what I was about to say about Marcelo Bielsa? He's the most inflexible coach in world football.
0: But he knows that. And he said, I don't relent with my ideas and that's not a virtue, it's a flaw. But he said, "Sampoli compromises because he's a the power to adapt, unlike me, which definitely makes him better than me. And I think that quote applies entirely to Madge McGuire. He's inflexible, and he won at South immediately, and he has not changed it, even though the games change and his personnel's changed. He's in love with the way he coaches, and he thinks there's no other way to do it. But he's not coaching his talent that he has at hand. He's coaching his ideas instead. And I think that's going to end in disaster for the Tigers this year. It's,
1: it's, it's already a disaster for the Tigers. Well, it's going to get worse. I, I can't wait for the Tigers-Bulldogs game to see who you're going to tip. Probably the Tigers, but anyway. <laughs> so we move on to the last game of the round. It's the Cowboys versus the Titans. The and I was excited a... <laughs> about
0: Trip Barrett. Jesus.
1: Cowboys, yeah, you were. Cowboys have got a six-point start in this one. They're $2.70 underdogs at home. The Titans are a dollar forty seven favourites. Um Murray Tawalagi will replace suspended Kyle Felt, who copped a two week ban for his tackle on Jack Bird. Um and and Todd Payton's elected to stick with Reuben Cotter at number thirteen uh as Jason Tomalolo's replacement for his broken hand. Welcome back, Cotter. Welcome back, Cotter, right? So <laughs> So and he was he was voted the players player against Saints. So I I
0: thought he had a good game. He was he was um, very involved as a as a junior member of the pack, he was all over the place. Um, in defence, and, and he takes.
1: hasn't changed the um the spine either. So so Todd Payton's sticking with his guns. They have beaten the Titans ten out of their last eleven times as well. So they do go well against the Titans. Justin Holbrook's only made one change, and a hand injury uh, forced Ash Taylor from the sideline for a few weeks. And Tanner Boyd has come in to make his second start. I don't think he's had much involvement, so I I'm not sure. That may not be the loss that you think it is reading it on paper. I am actually tipping the Titans. I don't think the Cowboys have been that good, even though they're at home.
0: I'm the same. I'm tipping the Titans, but would I say with conviction? Absolutely not. And I'm not... Tanner Boyd's come on and played. I know he's a half, but he's come on and played hooker a few times. So it'll be interesting to see him play in the five-eighth role. But if they try to play, I think, you know, the whole, let's give the board a feeder on the fringe constantly all the time and not play to their strengths, I think... You might find the Cowboys knock the Titans off, but I'm just expecting the Titans to improve more in hope than what I've seen so far, but it's still early in the season. So I'm sticking to the Titans, but I haven't been convinced so far. I might have to
1: give Jimmy a call. I'm hopeful this will be a better round of football. Some of these games are bound to be better, but that does bring us to the end of the GNT show for another week for our round three preview. We'll be back next week to talk about the results from round three and previewing. Round four. Thank you for your time again, G. You were, you, you came in off a really long run-up off the back fence. First tackle of the game. And, and it was almost like James Graham and Sam Burgess, except if Sam Burgess had dropped the ball. So
0: You've lost me. Is this kind of like the the Bulldogs directors asking the Panthers directors to meet with them in the director's box during the game whilst they were trying to poach their
1: back up? Yeah, they said they were offended when they said no. What about what? I don't know whether you saw Greg Alexander's <laughs> I'm offended. When no. he went back and forward with Paul Kent, and Paul Kent goes
0: because Paul Kent. Oh, I'm not going to say what I think of Paul Kent, but people
1: people think it's unfair that the Panthers haven't released and it's hypocritical the Panthers haven't released Matt Burton.
0: Unfair.
1: And yeah. and Greg Alexander goes unfair, unfair. Are you serious? It's, he's a contracted it's, player. We want to win the comp. I mean, you guys are crazy. Why would we release him?
0: It is totally the right decision. It's got nothing to do with fairness. They, we spoke about him being available as a backup. Look what's happened. Cleary's knocked out. He's missing a game and he can come in and they don't lose much. That's the whole point of having him as a backup. That's right. And, why and would, would you let him go?
1: Window, why would they let him go? You wouldn't. It's, it'd be ludicrous.
0: And honestly, as a Bulldogs fan, I'm kind of annoyed. By the directors it's like give it up how about you actually coach the players you got and stop chasing matt burton he's coming next year let it go like you know that shows a lot of confidence in your players doesn't it hey jake you're the 5-8 but we're trying to get rid of you
1: in fairness to trent barrett have you seen the way jake avarillo's been playing
0: i have no further comments on this conversation <laughs> but how do you know some of it's not confidence related right
1: he's been playing like shit g Gee, none of your players can tackle. And what's worse, you could almost go, I can live with them not tackling if they could attack. Score?
0: They can't do either. No. They I can't actually, do either. You know now, and this is at the end, I actually, look, I know it's two games, and as a fan, you always tend you know, to be a little bit irrational. This is irrational, G talking at the moment. But from what I've seen so far, and maybe because Manly and that have played some of the better teams, we've been horrible, and I wouldn't be surprised if we come last. Like, we've been woeful.
1: Didn't you predict them to come ninth or something? 11th. But you said to me that you could easily, they could easily make the eight.
0: No. I said if they have a good season, they'll come 11th. And then the more I've seen it, I think that's, that's sounding like a massive reach. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> God, man. <laughs> I can't believe
1: it. We're going to improve, but we've gone from 15th to 16th. But we've improved. Oh, uh, well it's good for those that have stuck around till the end of this podcast the highlights been the end so thanks for joining us again good luck with your tipping and we'll join you again next week thanks for your time g see you later see you next week t Ciao. bye